Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new segment of Nintendo World Report Connectivity. I am your host for this segment, Alexander Kalafmi, and with me are two of my favoritest co-hosts, Danny Bivens. Hey there. And Joshua Max. How's it going? You're, you're too sweet. <laughs> I mean every word I say. <laughs> well, it, it gets me right here in the, uh, in the thorax. Perfect. We were in the pokey shit together. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we are. We are. It's it's a present tense, despite we haven't recorded anything <laughs> in six months. But yeah. still, but still, it's still going strong. Uh, I I think we will have a fun Ruby and Sapphire segment when those games come out. It's like it's give, I, they're giving me a reason to look forward to them, which I hate. <laughs> Wait, we should, we can't get into this. We can't get into this. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's 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 all it's all joshing. I hate you so much. Let's get on. Let's talk about what we're really here to talk about. Okay, today we are going to be talking about the games we played this week in a fun round of what we've been playing. We got parties, we got playable teasers, and we got block pushing and more. Starting us off, Joshua Max. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, uh, my name is Josh, and I like to party. Um, <laughs> so, Hi, Josh. Hi. Uh, so, in in the past, uh, the last time I was here, actually, I talked about how I brought my N sixty four up from home. Uh, but that's and and recently we've been playing Mario Party, Mario Party Two, Mario Party Three on there. We still have my Wii, my launch day Wii still plays most Mario parties. We, play, we have Mario Party Four, uh, Mario mm-hmm. Party Eight, Mario Party Nine, nice even Mario Party Five, hmm. uh, and we've been playing through all of them, like hmm. my circle of friends. And it has been getting intense and insane, and I gotta tell you, Mario Party Two. We still talk about it because it's still that good, but there is one Mario Party that we still play because we hate ourselves. Can I guess? Oh, please. Mario Party 9. Uh, Okay, and uh, Danny, do you have a guess? I'd say, what, 2? Okay, well, 2 holds up really well. 2's amazing, Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's not that one. Mario Party 9, we actually kind of love... Because even though it messed with the with the classic formula, the the due to the fact that you can never tell who will win the game until the final round, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about it that's just really it, it it continues on the spirit. Well, it it also I guess you know what I never played it, so I'm completely talking out of my ass right now. Oh, <laughs> but based it. on the premise, but based on the premise of everyone's going around at basically the same time. And you are pretty much at the mercy of the final turn. It feels like most of what you do doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Just in my imagination. Yeah, and, and I can see why you'd say that because, oh my god, you are, the, everyone thought the same thing when it came out. And I, and I, I've heard split, I've, I've basically heard both sides of the argument that, you know, it's either a piece of shit or it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm on the side of the greatest thing ever because there's just, it has the spirit of Mario Party so strongly, stronger than we felt in such a long time. It also has, I don't know, it's just, it, it tried a lot of new stuff. Some of it fell on its face, but a lot of it's still really good. Um, but no, back to the original point. The worst Mario Party, and I invite people to come out if they want to challenge me on this, Mario Party 3 is the shittiest Mario Party. The <laughs> games are terrible, the maps are, are garbage, everything about that game is just shit. <laughs> Except for the fact that it's the first game where you can hold more than one item. Aside from that, it's a shitty Mario Party, and we keep playing it because we hate ourselves. <laughs> so I have to ask, what makes a good map and what makes a shitty Mario Party map? 
All right. Um, well, you want the map to be, like, big enough that, like, you can't just go one way. Like, everyone's not going around, like, the same circle. Like, sure. for instance, let's hit up the, uh, let's talk about Western Land from Mario Party 2. That one is basically a giant circle with two or three lines running down the middle. Those two or three lines can make or break it. Because if you're on the other side of the circle and the star's in the middle of the map, you're not going to get there. But somebody who decided to take, uh, go towards this one item shop, it's going to pay off in the long run. But then we go to, like, say, Waluigi's Island in Mario Party 3, which is my favorite one, which is... Okay, Waluigi's Island is this huge fucking map. You don't know where you are. You don't know where the star is. And since we don't use the map function, because we, we do journeyman rules where you're not allowed to look at the map, which is also really great if somebody gets a star while you're out of the room. But, uh, for instance, with Waluigi, it literally has a little island off of the map, and all of those things turn into, like, a different... Like, either all, they're all battle spaces, or they're all Bowser spaces, or they're all red, red spaces, or blue spaces every turn. And it's you... I, I literally went to that island because I was so fed up with the map. I was on that island for 14 turns, and I won. And nobody else could get there. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that, that's it. Like, that's... that, And just the rest of them are so big and so confusing, and the minigames make no sense that it's just like... Uh, you want it big enough that you can separate, but you don't want it too big that you get lost. Okay. So, I just ranted so, for five straight minutes. <laughs> no, that's cool. Rant for five more. But before you do that, <laughs> tell me what your favorite Mario Party is. Oh, man. It's between two and nine. It really is. Those are the okay. two I played the most. Two holds nostalgia, and you also get the cool costumes thing, and that's kind of, like, cool and fun. But nine is just, like, you have the most characters. Well, the most, the most characters you'd actually want to play, like Shy Guy. Uh, mm. And also the, the Wiimote. It's really cool because it's either platforming, like in the old days, like you turn to the side, or it's like point and click, and it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I, they both they both hold a place in my heart. What makes a great Mario Party, like, minigame? Oh, man. Um, it's not entirely based on skill. It's a little bit of luck in there. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, you if you play it a million times, you can still lose, like, two or three times. Any example? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, okay, yeah, there's this one in Mario Party 3, I think. This is actually, so I'm going against, there is one really good, there's one game that I kind of like because it's a little bit of chance. Where there's, okay. it'll show you, uh, or no, actually, this is in Mario Party 2, never mind. Uh, where it'll show you a face. Like, you know, remember in Super, Super Mario 64 where you can pull out Mario's face? Right. Yeah. There's a mini game where it shows you the face. It extends it out all at once and you have to use your cursor to drag it out and match it. And even if you're off by a pixel, it'll, like, take off a point. So it's a little bit of luck, but it's also a little bit... It's a lot of skill. So I don't... So I remember watching, uh, last few weeks, Giant Bomb did a stream where they were playing a Mario Party game, one of the classic ones, and I'm almost positive it was Mario Party 1. And in Mario Party 1, it had that exact minigame. Is there... uh, Dude, does Mario Party ever reuse games? Uh, not to my knowledge. They they do similar. They they're very similar, but never just straight off ripoffs. At least to my knowledge, uh, I'm just going through them. Of course, there's like over like 400, and eventually it gets down to who can trace the best, who's the fastest, who can catch the most a blank. But it's never, at least to my knowledge, been like, you know, okay, it's this game from Mario Party Two in Mario Party Six. You know, mm-hmm. so I may be wrong though. I, I like I said, I'm, we only really religiously play half of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know for me with, I'll say I know for me with Mario Party games, it just all kind of like just 
blend together. I'm like, oh, where did that one come from? Oh, which one was that? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. For well, me, it's it a little intense over here. We've, yeah, uh, yeah. It started becoming like a trophy to us. Whoever wins this, it's they get to load it over. And now we're <laughs> keeping. We finally, after all these years, have started keeping a tally, and uh, it's just kind of made it worse because we all write our names on there, and we get to write terrible things about the people who lose if you win. As it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great time. Thank you, Nintendo, for this, for helping me prove I'm superior to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally just confirmed that uh, at least a similar minigame, if not the exact same one, wasn't Mario Party 1. What? I believe it, though. It was a really good game. So, next up is Danny Bivens with Tetris and more. Yes. So, actually, first I think I'll talk about another game that I've been playing pretty religiously over the past like month and a half. And th- This is the type of a game that we don't get a lot of talk about here on Connectivity, so I thought Maybe I'd give it a go. Um, so recently recently on my PS4, I'd been playing a lot of NBA 2K14. And, you know, I, I know on Nintendo consoles, there's really, actually now, there's practically no sports offerings at all. Uh, Except NBA 2K13. Yeah, I was say, yeah, it was 2K13. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I mean, it's pretty slim pickings. But... Um, one thing I really get into when I play sports games is like the create a character type of thing and, uh, you know, career mode, that type of thing. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I did. Um, I, I, you know, created a character who doesn't look anything like me, doesn't talk anything like me. It sounds like a thug. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Just getting to see him in front of press conferences, calling everybody man and stuff like that. Like what? Okay. But, um. <laughs> No, I mean, in terms of, like, gameplay, you can see why, in the presentation, too, I mean, 2K really nailed it. I mean, stuff's, it's pretty easy to do, you, um, I mean, there's all sorts of depth to the game, too, I mean, it's not just about simply just going up and you can just dunk on anybody, if you just try to just drive into the, the lane, or somebody's gonna steal a ball and just drive it down the court, like it probably would be in real life, you don't see guys just, typically, I guess, you know, just, hey, I'm gonna dunk every single time. Um, so I know you got to kind of think about that, pass it around a lot and all that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, I played two seasons. Uh, I put the, in whenever you're playing in this, my career mode, which I was doing, like I said, you make a character, you get drafted by a team. There's like an RPG mode and stuff like that. You have like a rival. Um, so it's pretty interesting. And he's always like mouthing off and you get to like, uh, you know, uh, when you face him in games, you get to like challenge him to different stuff. Like, Hey, I'm going to score more points than you. Stuff like that. So, I don't know. I thought it was really cool that, you know, having RPG type of elements in sports games, that's something I had always wanted, but I never felt it was really done too well outside of like these 2K games. I, I played a couple uh, in the series here recently. But, um, yeah, like I said, I played two seasons, uh, 12 minute quarters, and you play the amount of time that you actually play the game is the amount of time that your character is actually, you know, in. So, I'm not playing like a full game, but, you know, pretty damn close, about like 40 minutes, 41 minutes, and, you know, there's 82 games in an NBA season, so you do the math. <laughs> it's a lot of time put into this game, but, um, yeah, just last week I had won the championship and MVP and all this other crazy stuff, so my life was complete. So, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, man, I honestly, after hearing all that, I feel like you kind of deserve a trophy. Yeah, it's like, you know, probably 150 plus hours playing a game in like a month and a half. Uh, 
that's something I do very often. <laughs> you know what? It's good that you get that much time out of a video game. You probably played, uh, paid remotely full price for. Oh yeah, I, I, I did. I got it at launch in PS4, and I, you know, I played it for about I don't know five hours at the time, and I was like, man, crap. I think back in June, I just I didn't have any money, and I had a lot of time, so I was like, I'm just gonna play this. <laughs> so. Sure. So I have a question. Uh, two things. One, I heard this game is visually spectacular, oh, and yeah. I want to know if you can confirm that. And two, mm-hmm. uh, I heard the this game had some free-to-play mechanics oh, yeah. that were particularly off-putting. Sure. So I guess to your first point, yeah. I mean, the game looks absolutely gorgeous on you know next-generation console PS4. I mean, I remember even like the. I guess you can say last generation consoles like PS3, 360. I mean, they, they look pretty good even then. I mean, it, it's pretty sure. lifelike. Animations are great. Um, except for like conversation stuff. Sometimes their mouths move kind of oddly. But no, man, on the yeah the PS4 version, it, it just looks incredible. I mean, you can see like their shorts like moving around and stuff like the physics on that stuff. It's really incredible. And in, in the career mode, like, they do a camera view where it's behind, like, your back, so you can always concentrate on your player. Because even if you don't have the ball, you're still maybe setting a pick or, you know, doing something. But, um, yeah, if you're playing in, like, a regular exhibition mode, it looks just like watching an NBA game on TV with some occasional weird animation glitches. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that, that's the launch business, right? Yeah, sure. And, you know, I mean, this stuff's going to improve. And, I mean... It, I don't know. It, we'll see how far they can get to be looking even more realistic. I mean, yeah. But, yeah, as for the free-to-play stuff, yeah, there is some egregious free-to-play mechanics that they implemented into this game. Well, first of all, they always have you sign into the 2K server, like, automatically, because it, and it, this is tied to, like, some kind of in-game currency that you earn from playing, and you get currency from doing stuff in games, like, let's say you score X amount of points, or you did this over a certain amount of time, you know, stuff like that, and um, you can use these points on, if you, in my mode I was playing, you know, the career mode, you can use the points to upgrade your character, you know, his stats, and, um, and stuff like that, which is fine, but another... There, there's a whole other section of things that you can buy with these coins, which are like clothing items for your characters or shoes, which are like sometimes ten times more than cost ten times more than what it would to like upgrade your character's actual stats. But what they did in the game too, they it, it's I guess this isn't that bad because it's completely optional. You can actually buy these credits for like I think you can get like. X amount, like 500 of them for like, I don't know, two bucks or something like that. And it sucks because like when I'm playing a game, sometimes I only earn like 400 coins in a game and I need like, I don't know, 4,000 to upgrade like one point for my three point shot or something like that. So I don't know. I just find it kind of asinine that this stuff was tied with all these other facets like shoes or shirts for your guy if you want your guy to look cool outside of the game, or even if you just want him to give him, like, I don't know, a tattoo or something. But, it, yeah, I mean, it is optional, so, I mean, you it don't... It doesn't sound that optional. I, I mean, I mean 4,000 credits, it, it depends how the economy is balanced. If you can, in a reasonable amount of time, amass 4,000 credits, and it doesn't feel like too crazy much, then whatever, it's totally optional. But, if the economy feels balanced... 
so that uh, the game really, really wants you to think, maybe I should spend a little bit of money to get more credits because it feels like this is taking a bit too long. Oh, yeah. That's when I start to have a problem with a $60 game doing that. Well, I'll tell you, I played two seasons, you know, 150 hours, and I earned about 100,000 of these coins. If I mm. were to drop 20 bucks, I can get 80,000 coins just like that. So, yeah, now that you put it that way, it does seem... It, it, it just takes a long freaking time to upgrade your character, which, you know, you could argue that could show some kind of realism, I guess, in a game, because, you know, you're not going to be a rookie and probably be like a, a goddamn superstar. Um, you know, you're going to start out kind of shitty, probably. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It did take a, a very, very long time to get up from like a 65 overall rating to like a 91 where my guy currently is. So... And just before you move on, uh, if anyone is interested, if anyone has PS Plus and has had it for the last year, uh, at least if you live in the U.S., I don't know if this is the case in Europe, but if you've been mindlessly uh, downloading these free PS Plus games on PlayStation 3, NBA 2K14 was a quote-unquote free game right. probably six or seven months ago. So if, if, this, if any of this sounds appealing to you, uh, you can probably get the game yourself if you're like me, and uh, have the game <laughs> almost for free, yeah. but not really. I, I, have, I have a quick question. Sure. Whatever happened to Donkey Kong mode? <laughs> Where you make all the heads real big. Uh, Is it called Donkey Kong mode? That's what I called it. <laughs> Good enough for me when I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately that's nowhere to be found in uh, 2K14. I'm sorry. I I don't think I'm gonna buy this game anymore. Yeah, I, I could understand your pain. As if you were before. <laughs> you know what? Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I mean, it's probably true. A lot of Nintendo gamers really aren't a lot of maybe that heavy on sports games. But if you like sports games at all, I think this is at least worth a shot to try out if you like that type of thing. Yeah, and um, the other game I've been playing is an oldie but a goodie, uh, Tetris. It's the original Tetris on 3DS. Um, I had it, I've had it for like a couple years on my 3DS, and just, I don't know, recently my friends, they're coming over and they just, maybe I'm playing a game and they want to play something or whatever, and so we just pop that in and, you know, well, pop it in, it's digital. <laughs> they just, you know, turn it on <laughs> and start playing and, um, you know, we compete, and I found out that amongst my one of my good friends and my girlfriend. I am the worst Tetris player ever. Apparently, oh, you're lying. <laughs> I'm not good. I've been getting better over the past couple of weeks, but no, it's embarrassing. Like I'd see my friend drop like you know hundred thousand points plus, and I'm getting like barely ten thousand or something. It's it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but since I had that, you know, on the 3ds, I, I I had remembered that years ago I had bought an exclusive. Uh, Tetris game on the N64. It's called Tetris 64. It's exclusive to the N64 in Japan. And one interesting thing about this game is that they have this bio Tetris mode. And how this works, there's this accessory that you plug into the back of the N64 uh, controller. And it's, it's called just a bio sensor. And then once that's plugged in, you put this little clip on your ear. And it keeps track of your heartbeat. So if you're playing in the bio Tetris mode, Basically, the faster your heartbeat is, the faster the blocks are going to be coming down. And um, just yesterday, I was just trying it out for the first time in a long time because I've been kind of in a Tetris mania here recently. And, yeah, I mean, this thing really works. <laughs> it's kind of incredible. 
Um, you could kind of see as the more, you know, nervous you get as you're playing is all these blocks are coming down and you're starting to freak out like I constantly do when I'm playing, which is probably why I'm so bad. <laughs> you just, yeah, you start kind of freaking out. It gets faster and faster until you screwed it up. But, um, sounds amazing. That sounds ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. And there's four-player support. Um, if you had four biosensors, you can do that. Um, I mean, even outside of the biosensor stuff, there's just a regular Tetris mode, uh, which you can play with, I believe, up to four players. And um, then there's another mode called Giga Mode, which it, you know, you have the regular Tetris pieces, and then also adds these oversized, like, pieces that are probably something like four times the size of regular Tetris pieces, and if you get a line with those, they'll break down into smaller pieces and fall down and, you know, make, uh, you make it so you can disappear, make, uh, whatever, <laughs> make other blocks and stuff disappear. It's really interesting. I was playing that, too, yesterday for a bit. Well, if you're into training, you know, there is a site, uh, I forget what it's called off the top of my head, where you can play Tetris against random people online. Oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, they have a ranking system. I got really into it in the sense uh-huh. that I would come home uh, drunk from a bar uh, huh. after hanging out with some friends and then play it at four in the morning and then get really <laughs> mad. I'm like, why am I losing? And that'd be why. <laughs> uh, so if you're into that scene, I would try that. I don't know if my ego could take that. <laughs> So, here's a question. Uh, just something I've noticed growing up, and I've asked my friends this, and they've uh, somewhat agreed with me. Uh, many women are remarkably good at Tetris. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but my mom is practically tournament level despite never playing uh, any other game before, really. And many females I know are like, oh yeah, Tetris, I'm, I'm so good at it. It's my favorite game. I beat my boyfriend at it all the time. And... I, I don't know why this is, and I don't know if you've noticed this with your girlfriend or anyone you know, but it seems like a weird trend where a lot of dudes I know are really bad at Tetris, and a lot of females I know are wicked good at it. Yeah, I think it could just be the accessibility thing. Well, first of all, with me, I mean, I would classify, classify myself as more of a, you know, a hardcore type of gamer type, and, you know, I like Tetris, but I've never been really great, and I play a lot more games than just Tetris. I'm not saying that, you know, Females only play Tetris or anything like that. Right, it's it's just like a lot of the ones I know that don't play any other games. Oh, yeah. The ones that play games play games, and that's whatever. Sure. Like, no, my girlfriend, she really doesn't play too many games, but, you know, she she you know she grew up on NES and stuff like that here. Uh, she's Japanese. And, you know, she liked some games, you know, like uh, Ice Climbers uh, <laughs> and a couple other, you know, uh, Japan-only type of stuff. But, you know, everybody, I think, could get into Tetris. It was easy and fun and yeah i mean there's really no barrier to entry there and maybe if it's just something that you've just done a lot and you know you're not playing like something like mario where it's a little bit more twitch i i guess uh, you know tetris can get pretty crazy once you get like the blocks falling like crazy but yeah i don't know it's it's definitely odd but yeah i think i've kind of noticed that too even my mom she she liked tetris a lot too and she's not a gamer i mean she got sick watching us play mario kart on super nintendo for crying out loud um <laughs> What about you, Josh? I don't know, and I have no opinion. <laughs> All right. I, I, that sounds like the safest route down this rabbit hole. Yeah. I'm guessing by the time we listen to this episode, this segment's going to be completely gone. <laughs> yeah, let's just say I can neither confirm nor deny anything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, just, I'll just put this disclaimer. Anyone can enjoy video games. Anyone can be great at video games. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, Nothing's absolutely. limiting you outside of, I, I don't know, whatever. And it's not me, and you can do whatever you want, just something I noticed. (laughs) That should remotely cover my ass. Sure, sure. (laughs) 
So on to me. Uh, did you have anything else, Danny? No, that's it, man. Okay, on to me. I've been playing two video games this week. Mm -hmm. The first is one I obtained during a recent PSN sale. And PSN, by the way, has been completely knocking it out of the park. Oh, yeah. Like two or three weeks ago, I got uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes for 10 bucks on PS4. Oh, so nice. worth it. I got uh, so this week it. on Vita, I got... Uh, Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods. Oh, cool! For PS Vita, seven fifty. How how is that? I've heard I've heard mixed reviews. Not, it's Battle of Z. It's but it's like it has the characters from uh, Battle of Gods. I haven't seen it yet. I want to wait until the dub comes out. It is out. Even though I, it's out in theaters. Yeah. But I mean, like something I could access from my computer comfortably uh, on iTunes or whatever I actually end up doing. Uh, okay. And then, but two weeks ago. There was a Final Fantasy sale Ooh. when it was like 50 to even more than that percent off Final Fantasy games. And I got Final Fantasy 6, Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 8, Final Fantasy 9, and Final Fantasy 10 slash 10 2 HD mm -hmm. on Vita for a total of $40. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> and I, I've never played a Final Fantasy game before. What? So I wanted to choose, I wanted to choose a fair chunk. Like, what's the best chunk of Final Fantasy I could take? And I know some people prefer 12, some people prefer uh, 5 and 4, and maybe even 3, or maybe even the earlier ones or the later ones. Why not but it seemed 10? like, it seemed like in general, the best chunk I could get if I had to choose like one four five game chunk would be six through ten. Yeah, like, yeah. That that just seems like the chunk because I get a little bit of the two D in, I get a little bit of the more modern stuff with Final Fantasy ten, and I get like the legendary PS one trilogy in between. Mm -hmm. Right. So, starting from uh, the beginning of the games I bought, Final Fantasy six. Have you guys ever played this before? Six, nah. Yeah, I you? I own several versions of this, but I've never ever completed it. You know, I'll make a confession here too. I think I did this on Twitter after because I saw you posted this, Alex. And um, yeah, the only Final Fantasy game I've ever beaten is seven, and that's very unfortunate. I've got really far into four. I've got uh, maybe an hour into six because I suck. Um, probably not unusual. I feel like if a lot of people have beaten one Final Fantasy game, it's probably seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing 6, and the reason why I asked you is because one thing I noticed about Final Fantasy 6 is that I don't want to use the word rip-off, but it pretty much takes the plot of Star Wars and puts it in JRPG form. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I don't know if you've noticed this, Danny, uh -huh. but first off, it's basically Rebels versus, uh, the antagonist group, which is the ruling... Empire. It is literally called the Empire. Wow. Versus the Rebels. The protagonist is one of the last magic users. She's a girl, mm -hmm. but she's one of the, mass the last magic users, mm -hmm. which is not unlike Luke Skywalker, who is one of the last Jedi, mm -hmm. uh, if not ending up being the last one by the end of it all. Mm -hmm. You got a thief character, who's like the second character you meet in the game, who basically has the personality of a JRPG Han Solo. <laughs> and then... You have a king who is from, like, the smaller desert kingdom who is also part of the rebellion, and he is basically a male Princess Leia. <laughs> I'm only around two hours in, and I can already tell that this game could not exist if the original Star Wars movies came out. I will give you this argument, too. Um, because I read this book, a really interesting book. It's called The Secret History of Star Wars, and it really breaks down a lot of ideas that Lucas had about the Star Wars trilogy and stuff, and a lot of story ideas that he got were actually from old 
Japanese movies and stuff like that. Some stuff just ripped off, basically just tit for tat. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, he it, he makes it its, its its own though. So I mean, that's why I don't really have a problem with it. And I don't know. Do you feel like from what you've played so far? I guess do you feel that even though yeah, this is kind of like a rip off of that, is it still feel like its own thing? So I don't. I, I should say that I do like the game from the two or three hours I've played. It's not like a rip off where it's like an uncomfortable rip off or okay. like you're like ooh, it's, <laughs> uh, this doesn't have much creativity hmm. because everything it does, it's in that JRPG setting, uh-huh. so it feels like more of an interpretation of Star Wars, even if it's not, even if it's the other way around or whatever. Mm-hmm. It feels like a loving interpretation of Star Wars sure. that just puts it into a JRPG, which I think is really cool. Like for that reason alone. I think that makes it pretty accessible because I just watched the original trilogy for the first time this summer. Oh my what? god! Completely, completely unaltered though. How are so you? I at least good it right. It's I I at least I didn't watch the CGI version where uh, yes I Han shoots for that's, uh, second. Well, thing, god, Rito they they, they you know we can get into this maybe this, <laughs> this should be another it. this should be another segment of connectivity sometime. But so uh, even let me say this even if you've never seen Star Wars before, I should recommend the documentary The People versus George Lucas. Oh, that's a fun just one. to see how screwed up the Star Wars lore has become yeah. over its entire yeah. uh, life. If you really have a lot of time and want to read a book that's six hundred pages long and repeats itself a lot. But has some really interesting things. Secret History of Star Wars, great book. Or if you uh, just have like nine or ten hours uh, that you just want to kill and you really want to enjoy yourself, watch the original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, but uh, I just... (laughs) Go out of your way to watch the original versions. This may mean going to your local library and getting uh, VHS copies that may or may not exist. And it may involve doing some saltier things on the internet. (laughs) But if you want... If you try really hard, it is possible to get a hold of the original versions where everything is exactly left in place. Oh, yeah. And you can see the puppet Yoda, and you can see, like, the uh, at-ats or uh, AT-ATs. Which one is it? AT-ATs. Okay. Moving in, like, this weird stop-motion claymation even, type thing. Even still in the new ones, a lot. some of that stuff is unchanged. Like, the AT-AT stuff's unchanged, ATSTs. A lot yeah. of that stuff's unchanged. But, I mean, I don't know. Blu-ray version, they added some egregious things, like a Vader yelling no. Yeah, that's the... Blinking that the Wicket, the Ewok. <laughs> but it's it's my point is, it's worth watching the versions everyone fell in love with. Because yeah. no one fell in love with the Blu-ray versions. I'm not saying... Actually, that might not be true. Someone must have found a reason to love it. It looks but, pretty uh, goddamn good. <laughs> yeah. What, but it probably adds... Uh, what I've seen on Wikipedia, it adds a lot of story shit that seems... Almost like they don't understand why those movies were good to begin with. Yeah. But, anyways. Sorry. <laughs> actually, you know what? In fact, we might as well be talking about Star Wars, because we're playing the Star Wars JRPG. Yeah. <laughs> but I do I do like it a lot from the few hours I've played. The gameplay is surprisingly more accessible than I thought, because I don't know if it's Chrono Trigger taking the Final Fantasy formula, or Final Fantasy taking the Chrono Trigger formula, but it does that thing Chrono Trigger does where the, uh, the attacks are, like, timed, or, like... Okay. There's a, you basically got to recharge before you can do another attack. Right. So it's it's almost like everything, it's not one turn after yeah, another. Yeah, it's not turn based. It's time based. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Which I think is I think it's cool. I think it's accessible, and the uh, the magic and mana stuff is pretty accessible too. Like I think. I'm having a pretty good time as someone getting into the Final Fantasy games for the first time. I think, based on what I've played, this is probably a pretty compelling uh, game to go into for the first time. But I will say, 
there is a lot of depth here that may intimidate you. Like, at the beginning of the game, there's, like, this, uh, basically, like, the Pokemon school that teaches you how all the mechanics work that's in, like, the first town or two. They have one of those in Final Fantasy VI. And it tells you a lot of stuff about, uh, debuffs and buffs. It tells you about certain inflictions. You can get, like, uh, null. No, I don't know if it's null. Numb, I think it is. Uh-huh. And there's just all this stuff that's probably just going to confuse the shit out of you. <laughs> I ignored that completely once I started to get confused and I just started pushing through to the game, deciding that I wouldn't worry about it until I get a, I hit a stopgap and then I'll just Google it, mm-hmm. which I recommend uh, everyone do. But I've been having a good time with my first proper Final Fantasy so far. The other game I've been playing is called PT. PT. And it was revealed... Well, that's not the name of the final game. It stands for Playable Teaser. Okay. And it was announced during the Sony Gamescom, like, conference, the press mm-hmm. conference there. Mm-hmm. And it was basically this thing that, like, this is this horrible tease. Not horrible, but, like, it's a horror game that's... uh It shows, like, the reaction so- shots of people playing it, like, shitting their pants and whatever, <laughs> and just screaming ridiculously. And they said, you can play this teaser now on PlayStation Network. And it was from, like, some weird number studio no one's ever heard of. And it was from some weird, uh... And, and it was for some game that didn't really have a name other than PT. They just said, this teaser is available, it's playable, and you can download it right now for free. Huh, okay. So I played it. And it is a first-person survival horror that is basically a repeating room over and over again. It's in first-person, there's, like, a 3D environment, and you're walking through the same corridor around in a circle over and over again. But every time you do it, something changes. Sometimes the radio, uh, which sound, which it's basically, there's a radio in this uh, hallway that seems like the hallway of a mansion, mm-hmm. and the radio is describing a grisly murder that took place. Hmm. And sometimes it'll say weird stuff, like it'll start talking in numbers, or it'll just say, look behind you, look behind you, and then there will be nothing behind you. Oh, God. And then sometimes you hear, like, uh, babies crying. Ah. That, doesn't, that, that sound doesn't sound quite like a baby. Oh, And then man. there's, like, you can see a man hanging, but he God. disappears as you walk closer. Something that's kind of like... super creepy. Yeah, something huh? that's kind of like Eternal Darkness territory. Like, I, I don't know if you guys have played that, but, I mean, it gets creepy. Like, in, with the sanity meter in that game, if it gets way out of control, if it's filled up, you'll start hearing crazy things like babies crying and Wait, which one walls are Eternal Darkness. Again, GameCube. Oh, no. God, man, it's so good. But anyway, yes, have, dude. Have you, have you guys played Amnesia? Dark yeah. Descent? I started it. <laughs> so worth it. It's You can probably get it for a couple bucks during one of the Humble Bundles whenever that loops its way back yeah, in. Or, or just on Steam. Like, it's such a great game. I really want to play the second one. Wait, so is this, is this on the, the PlayStation Network now? It's on PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Network. So oh, PlayStation 4, I'm, I'm, never mind. I'm looping through, and I uh, I get to... A point when the bathroom door where the baby's cries were coming from suddenly opens. So I go in, and I, first off, I should say now, this is where I'm gonna get into spoiler territory. Uh, Danny, you can cover your. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) well, I guess specifically for the listener's sake or Danny's sake, Mm -hmm. the rest of the show is basically gonna be me describing this, but if you've seen the news stories from Gamescom, you probably know what I'm talking about, and you probably know what the game actually is. Don't spoil it yet, I'm gonna get to that. Uh, so, I open the bathroom door, and then you see this demonic baby that doesn't really have skin. Like, it looks like a lumpy human baby that doesn't have skin, oh, and it's just whining, and it's whining in this, like, really shrill voice. <laughs> but there's still nothing happening, there's still no jump scare. So you keep going around, it just keeps things slowly more fucked up, fucked up. 
and then you start hearing footsteps behind you, and then eventually there's an amazing jump scare with this demonic-looking thing. Uh... And it even keeps going after that. It has some weird puzzles that I never got through because, like, it's... I never beat it, I just know what happens at the ending. Mm -hmm. So eventually, you play this hour-long teaser, which is this super creative uh, trek around a hallway over and over again, and then eventually you get outside, and it stops being first person. And then you see the name Hideo Kojima go on screen, Ah. and then that disappears. So you guys didn't hear about this at all? No. No, No, I did not. And then, after that, the name Guillermo del Toro comes on screen. Oh, yeah, I have heard this. Never mind. And then... After that, you see the face of Norman Reedus, who does Daryl on The Walking Dead. Oh, cool. And you see his face pops up, mm-hmm. and then it's, it slowly pans out. It does, I think, a white screen, and then it says the title, Silent oh, yeah. Hills. Oh, my God. So I, I think that was really cool. It looks like they're trying to like get seriously back into horror again, like Konami's like realizing how bad they must have messed up that franchise with the bad Vita game and the bad HD collection <laughs> and the bad couple PS3 two. games. Well, what, the, wasn't the Wii remake supposed to be pretty good from what I've well, heard? I think you're thinking the, the Resident Evil. No, no, no. There was a total remake reimagining of Silent Hill, the original one on Wii, where, yeah, it was just a complete redub. What was it called? Shattered Memories, I think? So assuming this game gets finished, and assuming this has the uh, Hideo Kojima, who is really smart about game narratives, even if sometimes he gets a little crazy, and you got Guillermo del Toro, who is really great at doing a fucked up atmosphere. Yeah. And then you got Norman Reedus, who, by pretty much every single account, is the best character on The Walking Dead TV show, which right. uh, maybe that doesn't say a lot, but he, he's a great actor. He's cool. And he's he's the right guy for that job, I think. Because, like, it has a grasp for, for uh, a semi-worldwide audience, because Walking Dead, one of the biggest shows on TV. And he's, like, this, like, southern badass type dude, which seems like not a terrible idea for a Silent Hill game. So if you have a PS4 and you're interested in this, you're interested in playing around, you're interested in a good jump scare, and by the way, on the PlayStation Network store, it actually has an asterisk that says, do not play if you have a heart condition. Uh-oh, I might not be able to play. Which I think that was just them joshing around. But I mean, (laughs) if you have a PlayStation 4 and you don't have a heart condition, (laughs) you should download it right now, because it's, it's... it's cool, it's different, it's uh yeah, well, that's horror. it's free horror. Horror. I, I I keep thinking that I'm like I'm not doing the second R right. Oh and, you, and it comes out a little wrong. You're fine, man, you're fine. Um so so that's it. That's all the games we got for today. Uh we got games we, we talked about games from all different kinds of genres. I, I think today worked out okay. So uh signing off, I would like to thank my fellow Pokey crew, Danny Bivens. Yeah, no problem. Glad, Thank you. Glad to be here. And do you got anything to plug? Uh, yeah, maybe not right now. New Famicast coming out at the end of the month. Uh, look forward to that on the RFN feed. Um, yeah. Joshua Max. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, do I have anything to plug? Uh, I'm going to start posting some stuff about games I like uh, on the site, so... Be, be ready to see my name attached to articles for the first time in a while. Uh, and aside from that, oh, uh, here's a really cool thing. Uh, Comic-Con, I always go, uh, and I'm going again this year. So if you're planning to go to New York Comic-Con, I will see you there. Yeah, you should 
email Josh from the website. Mm-hmm. Go into go into the website and email Josh that you want to meet up with him personally. Oh, not he even bu- that. Not even that. Just I will sit. I'm just saying I will see you there. Like I am a creeper. Like I will see you there. <laughs> even if he does, even if he didn't know you before, he's gonna know you. Oh, now. I will see everyone there. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. I will see you guys later. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Connectivity. I'm your host Neil Ronahan, and with me today is Zach Miller. Uh. And uh, for this segment here, we are going to go over our Kid Icarus Wizard contest, which is so totally wizard. Um, the uh, the winner that when we got to him, we did uh, as usual with these contests. I guess we can say as usual because we've done two of them now. <laughs> um, we'll use a random number generator out of all the entrants and figure out who won. Uh, so we had six entrants for this. Uh, keep them coming. Well, not for this one, but in the future. Uh, the more contest entrants, the more fun we can have. Yes. And we will have another contest after this. Uh, we're going to be giving away a code for the 3DS eShop game, Siesta Fiesta. Uh, I'll, I'll say this now because we had an unfortunate mishap with one of the Guacamelee codes. That uh, it's North American only. Uh, a code for Siesta Fiesta, which we will give away. Yeah. Uh, in once again like this, how it'll be relate to our game of the week. Uh, next week's game of the week is going to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, mm-hmm. which if you played that, awesome. We're we should talk and hang out because we're probably friends. <laughs> um, I love that game, and I'm excited to uh, spend the next couple days playing through it again. Hell yeah, it is it is awesome. But what we're gonna ask you for that is that the Tony Hawk series has been dormant. For, for many a year at this point, I guess there was Tony Hawk Ride, Tony Hawk Shred, that mobile game that came out this they year. They don't count. Um, but if there were like a big new, let's say Wii U Tony Hawk game, mm. and like the, like the Tony Hawk games of yore, where you'd, you'd be able to like unlock Wolverine or Darth Maul, like crazy shit. Um, I think Wolverine, like Darth Maul on lightsaber, it was, it was nuts. Um, <laughs> And here in 2014, if there was a Tony Hawk game coming out this fall, what would be the coolest unlockable character? Send it in. Um, you know, let us know who you're, who you think would be the coolest unlockable character for a, uh, for a new Tony Hawk game in 2014. And, uh, if you want to throw in like what a special move would be, uh, there you go. something like that, uh, that would be fun. Uh, once again, uh, we'll be giving out a code, a North American code, for Siesta Fiesta. Um, you can still send it in if you are not able to redeem the code. Um, if you want to note in the email that, like, I'm just sending this in for the hell of it, I hope that maybe we'll... Red on the air. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll have some kind of European reserve of codes that we can give out. Um, I'm working on that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And uh, send that in. Once again, 
Uh, send it in. I would say we keep on recording these later in the week, so you might have some wiggle room. But once again, August 20th, uh, next Wednesday, uh, send it in by then, and that'll guarantee it'll be in there. If you send it in after then, probably the absolute latest is August 22nd. There we go. Um, so yeah, so let's move on to the, uh, the Kidagross Uprising contest that we had, uh, in relation to our game of the week, which you'll be hearing about a little later. Uh, this is for a code for Wooden Sensei, a new Wii U eShop game that came out, uh, last month. And for this, it was, uh, come up with your own wizard for Kidagross Uprising. We've had the Eggplant Wizard and the Tempura Wizard. So we've got some entries here, and I'm gonna kick it off with one from Sebastian. And Sebastian's idea is the Lemon Wizard. He breaks your ranged weapons. He breaks vehicles. He breaks a lot of things. Just hit him with a melee weapon. I think I, I like that. I, and that feels like that's something that, like, if there's a if there's ever that phantom fourth Kid Icarus game, I feel like the Lemon Wizard might make it in. Yeah. Yeah, why not? And Kerbals, uh, while, while I wait for Zach to say this, uh, Kerbals won the random number drawing. And he will be receiving an email with a code for Wooden Sensei. On the Wii U shop. Uh, for some reason, I don't see Kerbals, so you go ahead and read Kerbals, and I'll okay, read and then one. and then you'll get you'll get Durian. Okay, yeah. Kerbals says Bean Wizard, a level one boss, pits melee attacks leave him a messy chunked pile falling down into the flaming underworld. Little does Pit know that the wizard has not been defeated and will return towards the end of the game in his final form, refried Bean Wizard. I like that. Pins, Pit soon discovers that arrows go through him and melee attacks do not affect him. Then Pitt notices the giant canopy above him is fastened at remote points. Pitt takes aim and severs the rope, holding the canopy, and escapes in the nick of time. He then kicks some nearby columns over the canopy to roll it flat and rolls the canopy up. Now all that's required is some hot sauce, and he's got one heck of a smothered burrito. That is that, that is, is a hell of an entry. I am I am very glad that the random member gods chose you, Kerbals. That yeah. is fantastic. I that's- would I would want to eat that burrito. That's a whole scenario. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit better than Busty Kong. Just, just, just like. a hair. Uh, so Ryan Hutt says his idea for Kid Icarus, uh, wizard is the terrifying durian wizard. For those of you who aren't in the know, durians are a spiky and incredibly stinky fruit from Southeast Asia, which often turn up in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I added that part. They do. They're like alien fruit. The smell of a durian has often been described as the smell of sewage, vomit, and other stomach-turning odors. That's great. From what I've heard, the pulp of a durian is creamy and tasty, but few people are willing to tolerate the putrid fragrance. In fact, the smell of durians is so disliked that they are banned from public places in certain parts of the world, such as Singapore. So why a durian wizard? Obviously, Pitt turns into a durian when hit with the durian wizard's magic. Not only must you suffer the humiliation of being turned into this exotic fruit, you have to smell Pit until he is returned to normal. Yes, God. The next Kid Icarus will be the flagship title for the Nintendo PU. <laughs> the world's first fragrance-emitting video game console. That's that's not bad. Uh, I should probably read these beforehand, but I didn't really see that coming. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Uh, I like yeah. that. Smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision. <laughs> All right, um, you got the next one, too. Okay. Uh, well, the next one is the Potato Wizard from Casey Gibson. Hey, guys, love the show and all these giveaways. All, all the one we've done so far? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to give away more, we I are. hope. Yeah. There might be a time where I'm just, like, emailing, like, eShop devs that I know, being like, 
Yo, Jules, give us a go for me months. We need it. <laughs> we need to get the giveaways. But for now, for now, they just kind of organically came in. Yeah, they just kind of show up. Uh, for my entry, I thought the potato wizard, but he doesn't just turn his foes into potatoes. He has different skills. He could turn you into potato, similar to the eggplant wizard, but he has a few other options as well. If he turns you into french fries, all nearby enemies attack you at once because who doesn't love french fries? I mean, really, who doesn't? Well, there are certain places with bad french fries. Yeah, yeah, I guess like Arby's. Fries are sad. Oh, yeah. you need to bring up the Arby's. Yeah, they don't have good fries. No, they used to, but now they just there, have those. There was curling. an Arby's that was near uh, where I grew up, and it and it changed into a generic sub shop, um, oh, that's... which was a little disheartening. Dude, I love I love Arby's. Like, not to go off on a tangent here, but there's an Arby's real close to my work, and uh, so I go there, you know, probably once or twice a week for lunch. And they know me, and they know my order. <laughs> and every time I order something different, they're like, "You changed on us. We had it ready for you already." It's like, sorry. The, the, the last time I think I went to that Arby's before it closed down was uh, my friend's little sister's graduation, in which it was really weird because she was just super pissed that her own sister didn't show up. <laughs> so it just felt weird. I'm like, "Well, I'm here. <laughs> We've hung out right? a few times. <laughs> I love you too." <laughs> Um, anyway. Anyway, uh, this, uh, potato wizard could also turn you into mashed potatoes, which are extremely slow moving. Almost a crawl. By the way, I fucking love mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are fantastic, especially if you put, like, a little garlic or cheese on it, too. Yeah, and, and get, like, a friggin' pat of butter and put yeah, it right well, in the I middle mean, and then bury it. You don't need to put on too much butter. Like, that's why I, I like the garlic and cheese, because then you don't need to just cake it in butter. Well, True. No. I like to make it as fattening as I possibly can. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got you got to pack on the pounds for me. I got I got to watch my spelt figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and potato, uh, butter-filled mashed potatoes probably aren't the best way to do that. <laughs> uh, with this enemy, you never know what you're going to get because he changes. Yeah. Cut out the middleman. Just eat the fucking. Bit. <laughs> Go out to a garden. Just eat the potato. Yeah. Don't even wash hard. it off. Just no. chance it. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Don't do that, anybody. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get because he changes into a different form of potato at random. That sounds like it would be a cool idea for gameplay possibilities. Yeah. It, yeah. It would give you that element of like, man, am I going to be turned into a French fry or potato? I don't know. I'm just going to try to kill it. Yep. Uh, so our next one's from Pandaradox, who, uh, as I said before, uh, he's the dude who won that Kidigris Uprising tournament at PAX East uh, 2012. That's right. So hi, Pandaradox. Uh, his idea is the ramen wizard. Getting hit by this wizard's attacks will temporarily change Pit into a too-hot-to-eat-at-this-moment bowl of ramen. <laughs> Players can burn other enemies while in this form, but will be blown on awkwardly and then eaten by the wizard if caught. That kind of reminds me of the spicy curry from Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah. Except for people don't get eaten. But I uh, I used to really like ramen. I haven't had good ramen in a long time. I, I mean, that's... It's now kind of entering my E3 rotation because uh, there's not really good ramen you know, over here on the East Coast, at least as far as I know. There's probably some good places in New York. I just haven't explored that much. Yeah. Um, but out in LA, got some good ass ramen when I was there for E3. There you it's, go. It's entered that with uh, okonomiyaki and uh, Japanese curry for the things that I look forward to probably more than the new games. <laughs> uh, what about that? Uh... Gross stuff that you people were eating at PAX East, and I was like, "I'm gonna eat this oh, cereal um, bar." Uh, blah, 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 blah. Dim sum, awful. Dim sum. I mean, I like that more because when we first happened upon that at PAX East, it was this revelation that a lot of us didn't know about. 
And we ate like kings and thought it was going to be stupid expensive, and it was $8 a person. Yeah, it's And I think cheap. I've been to Dim Sum a couple times since then, and, you know, the, the places in Boston and also other places. Every single time I'm there, no matter what group of people I'm with, it's always $8 a person. Wow. So I've gotten to the point where I don't think they actually, like, they, they do all that stuff where, like, you have a little menu card and they mark it up. But I think they just basically charge you. They're like, okay, eight people are there, eight times eight, $64. Like, I, I think they're just, <laughs> yeah, $8 a person. That's pretty convenient, if yeah. that's true. That would that would make it easy. It's yeah. kind of like all you can eat for $8 a person. Except for it's not all you can eat, because only like half the people that we go with even eat anything. Yeah. And it's just like me, Kalafi, Guillaume, and Jared just going to town on all this random shit that people are like, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know, and then I put it in my mouth. Um, which is probably a terrible way to go about things in my life, but <laughs> as long as it's not like chicken feet, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, everything you ate looked like it came out of the body of a sea animal. Well, you know, I enjoyed it. It was fun. <laughs> actually, actually, that's it's partially true. Like, two-thirds yeah. of the food they were offering us was seafood. Yeah. And so, Guillaume so kept having sense. to say, no, we've had enough seafood. <laughs> yeah, because it got to be like, like, shrimp? Shrimp? And we're like, no, we have like 18 different kinds of shrimp. Can you get us some chicken? <laughs> and then it, then it wouldn't happen. All right, so anyway, uh, ah. the last one. Uh, you got that one, Zach. I do have this one. Uh, this is from Olin Eddy. Uh, he says, my wizard for Kid Icarus is the banana sundae wizard. He freezes with ice cream, melts with hot chocolate, and uses a big banana staff to bust up Kid Icarus. He must mean Kid Icarus. Hope this is on time to make it to the show. It is. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah uh, so thanks all for entering. And remember, next week's uh, send it in by August 20th. 20th. Uh, if you hear this after that, and it's before August 22nd, you might have a chance. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Enron10. I'll probably make a note as to when we're recording, so in case you want to get a last-minute entry in. Um, but just send us in what you think would be a cool Tony Hawk bonus secret character if a Tony Hawk game were released in fall of 2014. And uh, if you want to, jazz it up by letting us know, like, a special move, like a sick grind or, uh, or a sure. trick that they could do. And then uh, we'll... We'll uh, read those off next week and give away a copy of Siesta Fiesta for 3DS. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. here with Zach Miller, and we're going to talk about what was one of my favorite games of 2012, the 3DS game Kid Icarus Uprising. Great um, music. Yeah, oh my god, the music is so goddamn good. And it's like this dream team of composers. Uh, Yasunori Matsuda is on it, uh, Yuzo Koshiro, and a couple others, but like um, 
I'm trying to think of what... Well, Yuzu Koshiro did, like, Streets of Rage in the Etrian Odyssey games, among a lot of other games. Matsuda did, you know, Chrono Cross, which is, to me, no matter what you think of that game, and I love that game, but the music in Chrono Cross is fucking incredible. And all those guys worked on Kidagurus Uprising together. Um, the soundtrack is out of this world. <laughs> um... I, uh, back when this game came out in March of 2012, I loved the shit out of it. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. I remember um, that. And it, it, at the time, it was one of my favorite 3DS games. I really had my doubts about it going forward up until the release. Um, I mean, I do... I, actually, I would say Kid Icarus Uprising was the game that cemented my love for Masahiro Sakurai's work. I always I always really enjoyed really? it. Really? I mean, it's not it wasn't that I like Kirby's Air Ride. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't. It was the kind of thing where it's not like I ever disliked anything because I mean, who doesn't like Smash Brothers? Like, honestly, um, but I, I never like like Kid Icarus Uprising was when I realized how like the way that he makes games is the way that I enjoy playing games, sort of. And I actually uh, not to not to toot my own horn a little bit. I had a feature that I did for OneUp.com before it shut down. Um, kind of about like, you know, Sakurai's style. Uh, cause around Kidagurus Uprising, he kind of talked a lot about how he would, uh, disassemble, like, basically regular gameplay ideas and then try to put them back together. And you notice he, I mean, that's, Kirby Air Ride is kind of brilliant in that regard because he took the racing genre and then he broke it down and was just like, well, you're always going to be hitting acceler- the, the accelerator button. So why should, why doesn't that just happen automatically? Yeah, and then the whole game's built around that one conceit. And I actually went back and played uh, Kirby Air Ride uh, a couple months ago. I I never owned the game. I borrowed it from someone for a couple years and then gave it back. And then I tried to find it, and uh, she had sold it, which sucked. So then I went to eBay. Um, and that's that's a really good game. I think it's highly highly overlooked. Um, but I need to play it. I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, PAX East. We could yeah. Kirby Air Ride. Uh, but, I mean, Kid Urgus Uprising, I think, is just a really good example of that. You know, we kind of disassembled this this action shooting game and then put it back together. And while I still sincerely love this game, I think we need to adjust the elephant in the room, which is the controls are interesting. On the ground. On the ground. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that the air controls, because the way this game is built, uh, the way this game is set up, if if you don't know or don't remember, uh, is that the the single player is it's a story driven game, s- tons of dialogue, uh, yeah, and all really high quality dialogue, really goofy funny jokes, um, all, like really like you know ones that reference Nintendo, like I believe Pit calls uh oh god what's the name of the what's the name of the Dog boss. I want to say Cerberus, but I, I know that's. Is that it? Is it Hudra? No, no that's I, the snake thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes a joke about it the is Cerberus. Okay, okay. It makes a joke about that being a an, a Nintendo dog, and I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff like that throughout it, and it's really funny. Um, but each level is broken up into there's a there's a flying portion, in which it. It's basically a Star Fox game uh, yeah. where you're using the stylus on the bottom screen to kind of like, you know, tap and shoot and fire. Uh, if you, you know, don't fire right away, then you can charge up a more powerful shot. Um, and it's almost sort of like Sin and Punishment as well because you're you're moving an avatar character around the screen like that. Right. And then the second part of every level is a more exploratory, 
um, action, like on the ground stuff where you control on the touchscreen. And I think the best representation of how you like move your aiming and stuff is because it's like a twin stick shooter, but you use the circle pad to move your character and you use the touchscreen like a trackball. Yes. Which I think is something that like once, once I had that told to me, and I think they actually say this like as a tutorial in the game. It's say like spinning a globe. Yeah, like spinning a globe, which is kind of like a trackball. Um, and that, that's what helped me a lot when I first played it and why I kind of jived with it so well. Um, it's still hand cramp city. Oh yeah. My left hand is on the stylus and I, I cramp up so bad. Yeah. And when I first played the game, I played with a circle pad, uh, cause I'm, I'm left-handed as are you. Yeah. Um, I, I play with the XL. And cause on the XL, I do not have a circle pad for that. So when I was playing that for the purposes of this, um, I was, I was playing right-handed for all intents and purposes. Um, and, uh, it was it was a little tougher because of that, but I don't really think it was as tough as it would have been if it weren't for the fact that I've already played through the entire game with my dominant hand on a more comfortable system because I had the, the circle pad, which makes it a little bulkier, but also makes it a little easier to control because you have like more to grip. I'd forgotten that because I hadn't played this in years. I'd forgotten that um, the circle pad pro doesn't really add a whole lot. It really just adds the ability to move with, with the hand. right hand. Yeah. And I I went in there this this week thinking, oh, I'll be able to do like twin stick controls. But, no, that's not the case at all. And this is this is the point that I that I tried to make back when it came out and I still stand by it is that I think that twin stick controls for that game wouldn't work the way that everyone thinks they would because of the way the game's designed. And you could say that that's a fault in the game's design, but the way it is is that like not just it wouldn't work as simply as here are twin stick controls because that's not the way the game was meant to be played. You need That's to have true. that you kind can't, of flimsiness. You can't aim uh, in this game without with traditional yeah. twin stick controls for sure. Yeah, because I because I, I think that like there's there's a certain flimsiness and floatiness to pit when you're on the ground that can't really be replicated by twin stick controls. True, and there's aim assist, and it 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 is all yeah. built around the movement uh, aiming with the touchscreen, and it's something I got used to, but I, I've never liked it. Uh, and this playthrough. Because I'd forgotten what I was doing, I actually started from the beginning. I didn't start a new file. I just replayed levels I'd already done. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I got through about fifteen chapters, and I really, really still enjoy that game. I think I got through nine. Yeah. So you uh, got that. You got to the ending fake out then, right? Because yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. And um, uh, and man, by the like like here's here's my my biggest problem with it is that the levels aren't um, like the flying stuff lasts two or three minutes all the time each time. But yeah. then the ground game is either relatively short or super fucking long. There's actually one level that I skipped because I remembered how fucking frustrating it was the first time I played it, which is the Pandora's Labyrinth the level. Pandora's Labyrinth is awful. Yeah, because I think I think that that's just a bad level. Yeah, um, there's there's a couple in there, like because uh, there's like something like 25 levels in total. And there's probably like four or five duds, which I think is a pretty good. That's a good balance. A good rate to have, you know, solid levels to bad levels. Like, especially the ones where they kind of, like, tell a story during it, too. I really, I just like how the game is kind of packaged together in that it does tell this story, but you don't really watch cutscenes that often. True. It's all dialogue. It all kind of happens as you're playing. And it's a game where you really need to have the sound on. Headphones are almost required because then you hear the dialogue and the amazing music. And, like, things are happening... 
like almost like Call of Duty, scripted events happen yeah. throughout each level, which I really like because that means you don't have to have cutscenes. Yeah. I mean, I think and the I'm boss like... fights, by the way, the boss fights are phenomenal. Yeah, the boss like fights every are so boss cool. fight they, is amazing. Huge spectacles that I feel like they do a good job of the boss fights generally. That's when the controls kind of work a little better because I feel like with that, like the bosses are made so that way. Yeah. They, they fit better with the control scheme. And I think that also to tie that into multiplayer, I think that's why multiplayer works a little bit. It's like when you're, when you're dealing with a lot of, a lot of enemy, like let's say like you're dealing with 10 enemies at once, that control scheme really weighs down. But when you're only dealing with like one or two, then I think yeah. the control scheme works. Yeah. Um, cause it gives you that kind of like loose precision. And the focus. And, yeah. And I think that even though it can be challenging and it does, it, it does take a big adjustment period. And even with that adjustment period, your hands probably still going to cramp out, cramp up after a couple rounds. But yeah. whenever I play that game, it's the kind of thing where I just want to fight through the pain. Um, because it's, you know, it does cramp up my hand, but it's so enjoyable whenever I'm in the middle of it that I only think about when my hand is cramped when I <laughs> am not playing during, yeah. I don't care. Uh, cause I'm having a blast and especially when I, I played some online multiplayer without you and I also played some with you and I just love that multiplayer so it's much. It's really good. Especially the three on three game, the light versus dark. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it, it is basically, it's a third person Smash Brothers game. It, exactly what I was going to say. With, it really I mean, is. You can probably even see and I, and I think that's what we're going to see when we see Smash Brothers and part of the reason why I'm not really, uh, I don't think that the Smash the the 3DS Smash Brothers. I think the online is going to be pretty solid because of Kid Icarus Uprising. Um, there's, and did you did you see this week that they announced that there's going to be that difficulty slider? Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's pretty coming cool. over to Smash Brothers. That's that is awesome as well. Um, but you can see a lot of like the customization options that are in the multiplayer for Kid Icarus Uprising. Seems like that's what's kind of going to Smash Brothers a little bit. Because uh, in this, you have the different weapons that you can get, uh, which I love getting weapons and then fusing them. I have, I now have like two or three that I have that are in my rotation that I don't want to get rid of, and I keep on trying to build up more to replace them. Yeah, uh, I gotta, I, have... I gotta find a fuse table online because I've got a lot of weapons just lying around. Yeah, and I, and I think sincerely, like even after we're done this segment, I, I think I'm probably still gonna be hopping online every now and then. So. Nice. Keep an eye well, on my Twitter. Tell me when you are, because I'd like to play too. Yeah, uh, keep an eye on my Twitter. Anyone who wants to play at Enron Ten, and I'll try to keep you informed as to when I'm going to hop online. Because uh, I, I forgot how much I loved playing this game online. It is one of my favorite online experiences, and this is coming from someone yeah. who is usually a stodgy old person and doesn't really like playing games online. Yeah, exi- me, I'm the same way. And you know, I remember two years ago when the game first came out, like the online multiplayer, I really got into it. Yeah, and I mean, I, we had, we had a tournament. We did. It was super and, enjoyable, and it didn't and I, really end the way I planned. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> like the, the final matches were fine, but we had some we had some unnecessary drama in the first. We couple did. Rounds. I remember that now. Um, and actually, one of the guys who was a big part of that drama. Here's a fun fact. Um, he worked on one of the games in Sports Friends. So the Seriously? dude that was uh, for anyone who who knows that story, uh, there we had a team who impersonated another team and said that the the that team cheated and admitted to it. Um, and it was this whole big disaster. Uh, but the dude who was impersonated, who did no wrong, uh, he, uh, he worked on Bari Bari Ball, which is in Sports Friends. Wow. So I follow him on Twitter now. He probably That's doesn't awesome. know that I do, 
But I, I noticed his name in the credits and was like, hey, that's familiar. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, but like, yeah. you get rewarded, like, you get a random weapon yeah. is given out and everyone gets hearts and it's really fun. Yep. I mean, I just, I really enjoy that multiplayer. And then, as far as the, going back to the customization, you also have all those powers that you get, mm-hmm. which I really think that that's kind of what we're going to see more of in Smash Brothers, especially on 3DS, where you have all this stuff where you're unlocking these special moves for your fighters, and then you can, you know, modify powers and stuff and use those on your amiibo and everything. And I think a lot of what's in Kid Icarus Uprising, you know, is going to, it gives us a tease of what's going to be in Smash Brothers. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the most interesting things about Sakurai's design is that it seems like all of his games, despite being in wildly different genres, they all kind of inform each other to a degree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and on that point, I'd just like to say that it was Kid Icarus that made me, even though I've played all his games except uh, Kirby, and I'm sure Kirby's the same way because uh, Guillaume said that at PAX East, uh, said what I'm going to say. I love his menu design, and it was oh Kirby, my god! It, it was Kid Icarus where I first like turned it on and noticed that it was a Sakurai game because of the menus. Yeah, and um, like like it's clear from Melee and even Smash Brothers One, but like it didn't click with me until Kid Icarus. Like, oh, I get it now. And he had a whole talk about doing that at at some event. Yeah, um, well, at the E3 Smash Brothers roundtable, someone asked a question about menu design. Oh, that's and he one. basically just said he wrote an article in Famitsu about it, and you should go read that. <laughs> I have yet to translate that article from Famitsu or, or get, like, Matt Walker or someone to do it for me. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm, I really, I could listen. That, that was the one thing during that Smash Brothers talk when he would talk about design. I would just, like, you know, have my, my, my uh, elbows at my knees just being like, please go on. I could listen to that man talk about game design all day, every day. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I I think that, I think that he's just, he is brilliant. I agree. Um, He's he's one of the most talented developers they've got, if not the most talented. Which is kind of funny, because you think about where he started from. Granted, he started when he was 18, but look at Kirby's Dreamland. That that game's not that good. No. (laughs) Dude learned a lot in about 10 years. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, Meteos is fantastic. Kirby Air Ride, I think, is highly underrated. Very. I didn't know he did Meteos. Yeah, yeah, he did. Meteos was his baby. Uh, he oh, did interesting. Because he did Kirby Air Ride, and I think as it goes, is that he was tired of doing Kirby games and then left Nintendo, and then he did Meteos, and then I think that like he didn't own the rights to Meteos, and then Meteos got hoard out and became a Disney version of Meteos. Oh. And then he came back and worked on Brawl. Gotcha. Here's a weird. I mean since we are on the subject of Sakurai, I was thinking about this, that there is actually more of a time difference between Brawl and the new Smash Brothers than there was Melee and Brawl. Which to me seems You're weird right. because it felt like forever between Melee and Brawl. It did. Can you explain to me why there's so much hate for Brawl? Because I remember loving the shit out um, of that game. Well, I can I can talk about my own personal stuff with Brawl, which is... Uh, I've been going back and playing it. Actually, when Andy visited a couple weeks ago, we played a bunch of Melee and a bunch of Brawl. Um, unfortunately, I don't have everybody unlocked in Brawl because my Wii died uh, before yep, Wii U came here. out, so I lost my save data. I've been going through it a little bit. I, I'm not really the person to explain the exact reasons why I think that Melee is... Melee feels a lot better than Brawl. 
Like, it's, mm. it was kind of shocking to me how much more I enjoyed playing Melee compared to Brawl. And I think huh. that, you know, maybe it is a little faster. Maybe I'm a little more used to it. Maybe I played more Melee. That, that could be it. I know but, I played more Melee. Yeah, I mean, going back to Melee was a lot better. Whereas going back to Brawl, I didn't have as much fun. Was a little tougher to get back into, maybe. But from from having played uh, a ton of the new Smash Brothers at E3 and then uh, an event in New York the other month, um, it I think the new one's going to be a wonderful balance between the two. And you get to play it next month, you fucker. Yeah, uh, yeah, about less than a month until it comes out in Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I but going back to Kidoka's Uprising, I really still love this game. It is one of my favorite 3DS games. I will admit, I was a little stubborn about it back in 2012, but I will admit the controls, eh. But really, to <laughs> me, that's the only knock against it. Uh, I, I love everything yeah, else I about that game so earnestly and honestly. Like, I I think it's fantastic. And I think that if the controls get you down, maybe try to get a circle pad or something, or, or try to figure out a way. It's It's worth suffering through playing it in a weird way to play through this game, if you haven't. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it. I've I've de- I'm determined to actually beat the game now. Okay, you never finished it initially. Oh no, I I quit before uh, the Medusa fight initially. Whoa! Wow! I know. Yeah, go through that, man. Because I just awesome. went to the multi. I was like, the multiplayer yeah. is so much better. Yeah, I mean, I I love that story, and that story goes to absolutely ridiculous places. Isn't there like an alien invasion yes, or something? Yes, there is, and that's not even the end of it. That's like that's like a little more than halfway. This is like Sakurai unhinged. Yeah, it's like it's like if Sakurai were to ever make an anime, it would be called Kidakurus Uprising and it already came out. And I would watch the shit out yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean Yeah, I would. <laughs> Especially if that is the same writing, because it is, I mean it's just Really tongue-in-cheek and really fun, and there's a lot of great characters that... I think we're going to see a, a few of them pop up in Smash Brothers. I mean, Palutena, yeah. definitely, but I think... Isn't, uh, Dark Pit, I think isn't Dark there a character who's an Estus Trophy or something? But, I mean, I, I, I hope that we haven't seen the last of some of the characters introduced in Kitagris Uprising. I, yeah. I mean... I'm, I like that... I like that... I've, I've read about this, so it's not a, a big spoiler. I like that Dark Pit isn't just, like, a evil clone of Pit. Yeah. I like that he's an actual character. Yep. Well, yeah. I even, I even like, uh, cause I was replaying, I, I think one of my, at least the music in the Dark Pit level, which I think is like level five or six, the um, music in that is so awesome, which, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe I'll have to let whoever, whoever's editing this to put that song in, in this, uh, this segment, if you hear this, um, and you don't <laughs> know what song it is, text me, Scott. Um, but I like that level a lot, and that's also when they talk about how, like, uh, it was, like, use, made using some kind of special mirror, but then, like, the mirror broke before it was finished, so he's a right. little unhinged. <laughs> Just, I feel I mean, like I have, I feel like I own the soundtrack. Uh, I don't think, well, I can tell you where you got the soundtrack from, is that I think there was a Japanese release of the soundtrack, and someone on staff got it and shared it with the entire staff. That's right. I recall that. Now. <laughs> I have yeah, that on my phone. Right. Whenever I'm feeling blue on my commute home from work, <laughs> I will throw it on and just be like, oh, man, I love that game. Yeah. But, yeah, Kidderkiss Uprising is one hell of a game. Uh, write in to Connectivity and Nintendo World Report if you have any thoughts to share about Kidderkiss Uprising or any of the other recent games of the week. Uh, we'll totally answer your listener mail. Uh, be sure to participate in the contests that we detailed earlier. 
And uh, if you want a little inside baseball on our upcoming games of the week, uh, next week is going to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 for the game. Yeah. Uh, and I guess well, maybe the N64. If you have it for the N64, yeah, if you have do it, write yeah. in. That was, I think, one of the last, if not the last. Nintendo I think it was the release. last. Yeah. Um, an N64 game coming out in late 2000. Actually, I think early 2002 was when that game came out. Mm. It's just weird. Um, but, uh, so Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. And then after that, uh, we're going to be talking about Metroid Zero Mission. And we're going to have some special guests on for that. I believe that, uh, Danny, Danny Bivens recently played through the game. So he's going to be leading the charge. It shouldn't talk about it. And I think we might be having, uh, a couple of current and former RFN guys on talking about Metroid Zero Mission. And then after that, who knows? Uh, Hyrule Warriors is probably on the docket. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to convince Zach to play some Steel Diver Sub Wars. Um, I haven't played that, but that seems like something worth visiting. Dude, I got, like, in the most recent system update, it dumped that icon on my on my home screen. Now it was, it was like, do you want to go to the eShop and download this game? No. Do you want to delete <laughs> this icon? Yup. But, I actually... But if, I, I just updated uh, mine because I keep on coming with like incremental updates for it. I don't know if you follow. Oh, really? I'm guessing no. that you haven't. No. Um, because I mean it's a free to play game that they keep on releasing updates for, and I was talking to a couple people that or at least were paying attention to it more. Apparently, like there there's a pretty sizable community that's still playing that game. How and much always, does that game? How much does that game cost to get the full experience? I think it's ten bucks to buy the full That's game. Actually, not bad. Yeah, I, I might, I might start diving into it, and then, and then maybe we can talk amongst ourselves and figure out if we want to dedicate a whole segment to it. I think it might be worth it. That'd be cool. Yeah, we can get, we can get the other Zach on. God knows he likes those games. Yeah, Steel Diver for the win, man. Uh, that yeah. is his name. Did he change his name on Twitter? He might have. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks for listening to us talk about Kid Icarus Uprising and how it's still a rad game after all these years. All Hell two, yeah. All two years, it's still good. And uh, we're only less than a month away from the Japanese release of uh, that game director's, the director of Kid Icarus Uprising, his next game. Um, Indeed. Very excited for Smash Brothers. I think we all mm-hmm. are. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.